Welcome to this podcast of the Episcopal Church of the Good Shepherd in Venice, Florida. It is the 14th Sunday after Pentecost, and you will hear Father Bob Miller speak on Luke 15. As you listen, see if you can answer some of these questions. The questions? 1. What does it mean to lose a friend by losing contact? 2. What are some examples of shepherding for you? And three, when does Jesus ask us to drop what we are doing and pay attention to someone? The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to Luke. All the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness? and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to sit down because I herniated a disc, and so it's easier to sit, right? I was uh, attending a a liturgy of a church. It happened to be a Catholic church, but they had a priest who was sitting on a stool behind the altar, and all you could see was his head. You know, losing track of things is becoming more common as we age. I frequently lose track of my cellular phone, but it's quickly resolved by just dialing the number on my wife's phone and listening for where it is in the house. 
But losing uh, track of dear friends is quite another matter. Many are former parishioners of churches where I've served. Most have moved into long-term care facilities and are no longer available by email. Pearl, an organist serving a congregation in Minnesota, used to drive through the snow-covered roads of winter and could always be counted upon to be at church for services without fail. She was remarkable. When I wrote her on her birthday in July, her daughter answered her health had declined. She was unable to answer my note. Now, there are many people like Pearl in our lives, and remaining in contact with them is like being a shepherd who is mindful of the sheep in his care. When we lose contact, they are lost to us. They leave an empty space in our hearts, and we're inclined to try them, find them. Sometimes we're successful and are reunited, and joy fills our hearts. We celebrate and share memories and resolve to keep in touch. But there have been occasions when those relationships are truly lost. For some years, I've been searching for Daniel, a friend that I knew at Berkeley. We attended the same church in San Francisco. We accompanied each other on the train from Oakland to our seminary in Wisconsin. He was as close as a brother. But I never saw him again. And that was 50 years ago. And I'm still looking for him. It seems that we, the older we get, the more sensitive we are to losses. I think of some losses as gains. Dan inspired me to join with others in prayer and in service. The congregations I have served have been really my teachers. Friends from high school and college with whom I keep in contact over the internet share a treasury of memories, of events, and community that are truly a delight. The kids that I found sleeping on the streets of Honduras called forth within me unfathomable love from the depth of my heart. Now, most of us don't have experiences with sheep and shepherd, but Margie and I raised dairy goats for a time 
and we learn much about life from them and remember them fondly. Each had a name, and each had a distinctive personality. Every year we would lead retreats, which included walking with the goats up into the San Ysidro Mountains in back of Santa Barbara. And there they encountered plants they would not eat, possessing an innate knowledge of plants that could be poisonous. So as a shepherd, a goat herd, it was my job to keep them safe and fed. Well, one day, one of the young goats was heard uttering a cry of distress. Dropping what I was doing, I ran to see what the matter was. A dog had entered onto the property and had cornered him, barking and growling, threatening the young goat with his bare white incisors. In a loud voice, I got the dog's attention, distracting it from its prey. Finally, the dog turned and ran out the gate and down the street. When I went to the young goat, I found him shivering in fear. I put my arm around him and held him close to my body. The crisis was over, and he calmed down. Now, most of us have had the same kind of experience with others. A neighbor goes to the doctor about a lump and is told, oh, it could be cancerous, and orders x-rays and lab tests. Our neighbor turns to us for support with fear in her eyes. A teenager returns home from school, and we note that he's very quiet and withdrawn. We go to him to learn what is wrong. What's wrong? He took a math exam that day and didn't do well. He's afraid he failed. But his fear is not only the tests, but he's also afraid of disappointing mom and dad. In such cases, you and I are called upon to be like the good shepherd, offering warmth and openness of our hearts. So what a contrast this is to the person who thinks the worst and is judgmental. You know, it's so easy to blame the student for failing to adequately prepare. But Jesus asks us to drop what we're doing and to respond with kindness and love For the person before us. They need us to be silent. To listen. 
and to be understanding. This is the good shepherd who goes to his sheep to protect them and to take away their anxiety and their fear. This is the good shepherd who does not judge, but who offers the hope of a brighter tomorrow. And joy, joy is the outcome of such an encounter. Jesus calls us to be reconciled to one another. Like the good shepherd in the parable, he has come to find us. He meets us from afar in our isolation. While we are weighed down with regrets or anxiety, he comes to us and encourages us to be with him. He invites us to let go of our tensions, to let go of anger and disappointment. He reminds us that in him, everything in the shadows of our lives has passed away. He calls us to live his light. He calls us to be shepherds. I like to have reminders around me about being a good shepherd. A picture on the wall will do. Or even a phrase copied from scripture. Above my desk at home is a framed cover jacket from a book called With Eyes Wide Open. On another wall is a wood plaque of Jesus celebrating the Last Supper before the men and the women who were his first followers. So in this church, we have an icon of the Good Shepherd. It's on the back wall. So as you leave, Pause to look at the stained glass window. It portrays the shepherd carrying a sheep who was lost and is now found. And as you pause at the window, ask yourself, Today, how can I be a shepherd to others? Amen. The questions. One, what does it mean to lose a friend by losing contact? Two, what are some examples of shepherding for you? And three, when does Jesus ask us to drop what we are doing and pay attention to someone? <laughs>